The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Do you know what your Dharma is? Now, that's a question you don't hear every day on the streets of downtown USA, Europe, or Asia. But it's one that our hearts long to answer, whether or not we even yet understand the question. As Eastern philosophies are more and more accepted in the Western world, the terms Dharma and Karma have been tossed about quite a bit. But really, do you know your your Dharma? Well, Lisa Coffey comes to the Authentic Living Show today for the second time to introduce us to, to our Dharma. Her book, just out today, entitled What's Your Dharma? Discover the Vedic Way to Your Life's Purpose is the subject of our talk today. Lisa Coffey is a lifestyle and relationship expert and the author of six books, including her new one, What's Your Dharma? Discover the Vedic Way to Your Life's Purpose. Lisa was previously interviewed on Authentic Living on her book, What's Your Dosha, Baby? Discover the Vedic Way for Compatibility in Life and Love. Lisa is the co-founder of CoffeeTalk.com, where she serves up an inspiring blend of ancient wisdom and modern style. She's appeared on many TV shows, including the Today Show and her own wisdom notes on Coffee Talk TV. Her expert knowledge of Ayurveda, Feng Shui, aromatherapy, hypnotherapy, and other ancient philosophies give her relationship advice a unique twist as she offers ancient wisdom to help us solve contemporary problems. Of Lisa's works, Deepak Chopra says, Your heart will thank you for Lisa's helpful and heartful vision. And I thank you, Lisa, for being here today because I really think what you have to say is very important right now specifically. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, so you have a busy day today, so we're going to get right, just drop down into the deepest part of this. <laughs> Tell us, what's your definition of Dharma? Well, it's interesting because Dharma is a Sanskrit word, and as you know, Sanskrit is a very layered language. It's very deep, and there's actually 16 different meanings to the word Dharma, including lessons, teaching. Um, in Buddhism, they use it as uh, teachings, mainly and it comes from the root word dri, which means that which holds things together. And one of the things that dharma means is purpose. And um, it's not just our job, it's our life purpose. It's what are we doing here in this world at this time. So that's the context I'm using it for in the book is what is our purpose in life. Yeah, and that word purpose is one of those that's difficult for us to, in the Western world, to wrap our heads around. I really liked the fact that you, that the Sanskrit word, uh, dharma has so many layered meanings because it adds so much more to our Western definition of purpose because what we think of typically when we hear the word purpose is, well, usually related to career, but also 
we, it has to do with some kind of, um, we, we, we need to explain ourselves. We need to be able to explain right. why we're here. And that gives us worth in some kind of way. I don't think that's what Dharma means, that our, we're, we're not measuring our worth. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because we all have a purpose. There's part of the purpose that we share, um, which is to learn and to grow, to express our unique talents, to help each other, to contribute to society. We all share those things. But individually, our purpose is unique to us. And, and just like, you know, our dosha, it's our fingerprint. It, nobody can walk the same path that we do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you also talk in the book about the three different um, important sort of missions we've got to learn and grow, to express ourselves, and to help others. Can you sort of clarify what, what you mean by that? Right. Um, well, you know, I talk a lot about the law of relationship that says we're all connected and we're here to help each other learn and grow. But I think that when it comes into our um, purpose in life, we're all here to learn these lessons, you know, those other words that dharma means, those lessons. And in a way, our dharma is our learning style. How do we learn those lessons? We're all here and we're learning the same lessons. In some ways, it feels like we're living the same life. You know, you're out there and I'm out here, but the things that we learn and the experience that happens to us teach us the same things, just in different ways. And we have different jobs, but we're all learning through the job. So it's not just what we do. It's about how we do it and how do we do it that we're learning and growing, that we're um, becoming closer to spirit within ourselves and that we're helping society, that we're helping, you know, the world become a better place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so somehow our growth impacts the world and allows the world to impact itself it does absolutely i mean many many spiritual teachers you know said when you want to help the world start with yourself you know mother Teresa said you want to help the world just start by sweeping your front porch you know it all starts right here and right now and really it comes full circle because everything that we do to help others to help the world helps us as well and we grow and learn from that experience yeah. Yeah, I have had so many uh clients come in to see me and say, I want you to help me figure out how I can change the world. And my response to that is always, what is it that you're needing to change in yourself? That's right. That's yeah. right. Change yeah. is a big theme, I think, for this year. You know, 2012, a lot of people are concerned about the Mayan calendar and the shift that's happening and when is it going to happen and is it going to be positive or negative? You know, is this the apocalypse or is this the new age? What What's what does it mean to us? And and we're looking now at our lives and our at our purpose and seeing what is important to us. We're definitely moving away from the information age. We've had so much information, and you know, like if you're feeling the same way as me, it's like I've heard it, been there, done that. What and more are they going to show? Like with all these toxins on TV, it's like how do you red wine out? Okay. We don't really care anymore. We've heard it a million times, you know. <laughs> so we're moving away from the information age and going into the inspiration age. Oh, yeah. I think this is yeah. really the shift. We're going away from being consumers and towards being citizens. And a big part of that is looking at our purpose, looking at what 
can we do, how can we do it that is going to impact ourselves, make us, have us feel fulfilled, and also contribute to society at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Vedanta says that one of our primary purposes is to realize that our souls are divine, and in fact it says that this realization is inevitable for us all. Can That's you sort right. of factor that into what you've said about Dharma? Absolutely. We are compelled to grow spiritually. That's part of our nature. We just, we can't help it, you know. It's part of our purpose to grow spiritually. And we have to find our ways to do that. So what I did is I looked at these four um, yogas. And in Vedanta, there's four yogas, Bhakti, Karma, Jhana, and Raja. And I came up with a quiz so that you can kind of feel out which path of these yogas is best for you. You know, as you know, yoga is not just a form of exercise. Like in the West, we think of it as, oh, the yoga studio where we're going to go, you know, pose and stretch and all that. Yoga is much more than that. Yoga in Sanskrit means to unite. And we can think of our yoga path as a kind of bridge from where we are to where we want to be, where we are who we think we are to who we really are. And that bridge can bring us to enlightenment, freedom, transcendence, you know, whatever you want to call it, but it's kind of an awakening. It's kind of that aha moment when you realize who you are and what is important in life. Yeah, I mean, that is just exactly what this show is all about, isn't it, to talk about how we make that transition from who we think we are to who we really are. That's right. So these four yoga paths are very distinct, but at the same time, they're very unique. And I think all of us have, you know, each path has a a purpose, and we all have all four in us, in the four purposes in us, but one is going to call more strongly to us. One is going to kind of resonate more with our personality so that, when we go on that path, it's easier for us, and it just makes sense to us, and we enjoy it more. And it just, you know, it expresses who we are. It helps us express who we are a lot more easily. Yeah. So do you want to and go I, over the four? I do. I okay. do. I want to go over them in, in as much detail as you're willing to give, um, because, and I do want to tell the listening audience as well that these questionnaires are very, very powerful, and I, I really think they're going to, uh, be something you'll need to work in the book, but I want to hear more about those paths, exactly what those paths mean. And we're going to take a break in just a few minutes, but I want to go ahead and start with Bhakti Yoga. Okay, great. Bhakti Yoga is the path of love, love and devotion. And the purpose uh, for the Bhakti Yogi is to love. So the symbolism that I've come up with for Bhakti Yoga is the heart because the heart is two halves coming together to make a whole. Um, the heart is, you know, centered in our bodies where our heart, heart chakra is, and heart chakra is um, the color green, so I use the color green and the symbolism. And green is all about growth and renewal all the time, and I think love is ever-growing, ever-renewing, and there's never too much of it. We can hold as much of it, you know, as there is. Um, the person who uh, resonates with the path of bhakti yoga, they learn through relationships. They learn through love. And it's all about understanding love and knowing that love is really divine love. 
It's knowing that whatever we love about a person is the divinity within that person. Okay, so we're going to take a break now, and we'll come right back to talk some more about that. So hold your thought there, Lisa. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more. Thanks. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness, consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today with Lisa Coffey. Uh, we've had, this is her second time here on the show. And here today she's talking to us about our Dharma her, her book, What's Your Dharma? Discover the Vedic Way to Your Life's Purpose, is uh, just out today. So I encourage you all to go to Amazon.com and purchase it immediately. You'll be very glad you did. And uh, so what we were saying just before the break, Lisa, was you were talking about bhakti yoga, and you were saying that love for the person who's a bhakti yogi is is divine love. Yes, and I think that... Um you know, when we have a child, when we have a spouse, it's easy to look in their eyes and see God or, you know, whatever you want to call that divine universal energy. And that's, that's our experience. 
Now, to take that to the next level, can we look at a stranger and this, just someone we don't know and see that divinity within them? Can we look at a criminal? Can we look at someone we hate? Can we look at our boss when she's in a bad mood or whatever and see that divinity? So this is all part of the path of bhakti yoga, and the bhakti yogas can do that, and they work on doing that all the time. Um, they realize, bhakti yogas realize that we're all just walking around as God in disguise. Mm-hmm. Bhakti yogas follow their heart to know that the heart shows us the divine in all, and really that love is the only thing that's real. And this corresponds very much with um, A Course in Miracles. You know, a lot of people have studied Course in Miracles, and Course in Miracles says that there's only two things in life, fear and love. And really... Fear is just the absence of love, so there's only love. That's what's important in life. That's what's real in life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when people talk about loving, they generally put a should in front of it. They, I should be loving. I should be kind. But you're talking about a, uh, something that generates from the divine, the soul. Is that true? That's right. That's right. It's like a recognition and a connection with it that where you can't help but be loving, where you can't help mm-hmm. but feel that love. You know, bhakti yogas have this phrase that they repeat. It's like a mantra, love the highest. You know, you don't have to love someone's behavior, but you can recognize the divinity within that person despite any kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Bhaktis learn from people. They learn from people more than they do from books. And this is an example that relationships are a great learning tool for us. Every relationship has a purpose to it. Absolutely. And every bump in the road, it has something to offer, doesn't it? That's right. That's right. Yep. So, you know, and one thing that there's a story that I like to tell that kind of demonstrates how a bhakti yogi thinks. And that's that um, a bunch of uh, students in India were um, studying agriculture and the teachers said, we're going to study the mango today. So they t- he took them to a mango grove, and they all looked around the mango grove, and the students are examining the leaves and the fruit and the trunk and drawing pictures and measuring and doing all that stuff with really trying to understand the mango. And the bhakti yoga walks up, takes the mango off the tree, peels it, and eats it. <laughs> that's how you know a mango. You yeah. learn love by loving. You that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh heard something today and I put it up on my Facebook page. It was uh some people say the the glass is half empty, other people say the glass is half full. I say, are you going to drink that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's really true. I mean, I think that's what you just described. Take yes, it in, I think you're a bhakti in. yogi, definitely. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, yes, bhakti yeah. yogi. It's about the way we learn it is there's there's kind of three things that to help us learn this. One is purity. Purity is real big in Vedanta, and it's thought, word, and action. What are you thinking? What are you saying? What are you doing? And asking yourself, is this what love would do? Is this a loving thought? Is this a loving word? Is this a loving action? Mm -hmm. The second thing is a hunger for knowledge. You have to want it. You have to strive for it. You know, you have to practice the loving to be a bhakti. You have to be devoted. And then the third thing is 
perseverance. You just don't give up. You want it, and so you practice and practice and practice and practice. You just don't go, uh, oh, I'm in a bad mood today. I think I'm not going to be loving. I think I'm just going to stand better, you know, be grumpy for a change. You just don't do that. So those are the three things, purity, the hunger for knowledge, and the perseverance. Yeah. And and that is, and as the yogi meditates and, and, and does the work of connection to the divine, that sort of radiates through all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about karma yoga now. Okay, karma yoga is the path of work and service, and this has a lot to do with activity and action. Karma comes from the Sanskrit word kri, the root kri, which means to do. So the karma's karma yogi's purpose is to serve. So the symbolism I've come up with for this is the sun, and the color is yellow. The sun, because... The sun serves us all indiscriminately. The sun is always there for us. The sun doesn't care, you know, where we live or who we are or what we're wearing or if we're having a bad hair day. The sun is there doing its job, doing what needs to be done for everybody equally. And yellow, because yellow is the color of the sun, but it's also the color of our um, solar plexus chakra, where we get our gut feelings, where we're moved to action, where we're compelled to do something. So a lot of people have heard of the law of karma, and a law is a predictable sequence of events. So in the law of karma, it's the law of cause and effect. So you have a cause which gives you an effect, and that effect then becomes a cause because it turns into another effect. So this teaches us that karma is not just our action, but it's the result of our action as well. So karma yogis do good all the time because they want to do their best because they know that there's going to be consequences from from the action that they do. The Buddha said, do good and be good, and this will take you to freedom. Okay. All right. Yep. So that that whole idea is one of not being enslaved to the service of others through guilt, which so many of us tend to tend to operate more or less out of guilt because we tend to think, oh, I'm supposed to be serving. And so we do. Um, but you're talking about something that runs much deeper that is, uh, is a, a, a compatibility with the soul. Right. This is... This is something um, we're not only compelled to do, but we want to do, you know, because we understand the benefits of it. Karma is the science of work. Karma yoga says that work leads us to freedom, to liberation, and this freedom will help us to um, become an unencumbered, unaffected by outside influences. So where a lot of people say, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, what do I do, or whatever, when you know karma yogi, karma yoga, you know that the actions you take are much stronger than the influence of any planets. It's, um, or any other external. Yeah, or yeah, anything anybody says to you, or if it's a rainy day or whatever, your actions are what is determining, your free will is what is determining your path and where you're going to go and how you're going to do. Right, so there's, right. kind of, there's kind of three stages of karma yoga when you go through it and you start studying karma yoga. The first is understanding that work is a selfless activity. And you do this by giving up attachment to the reward. So you're not working for the paycheck. You're not working for the money. 
you're working for the sake of work. You're doing what needs to be done. And I think mothers understand this, you know. When we have little kids, we don't get paid to take care of these little kids. And there's always work that needs to be done, and it's never finished, you know. The minute you unload the dishwasher and put things away, dinner needs to be served, and you get the dishes dirty again, and you have to load up the dishwasher again, you know. The laundry always needs to be done. It's never finished, and you just you just keep working. It's kind of your um, duty, but you you go through the motions, and you understand that it's your duty, and that you're doing what the day demands. Gerda said, what then is your duty, what the day demands? Mm-hmm. So you, you do this as a selfless activity. The mm-hmm. second level, after you get to that, and you're like, oh, okay, I got that, I got that, is now you see work as worship. This is when you're not just working for your kids or you're working for your own spiritual growth or whatever. It's not just a selfless activity. You're working for God you're working as an offering of love. You're doing your best all the time and putting yourself into your work. Work becomes a meditation for you. It's a, it's a way, it's a kind of prayer. So then the third example is, the third level after you get past that, is now you're saying that God is the worker. So you understand the oneness in the world and the oneness in our activity. You see that God is working through you, for you, and for each of us because we're all a part of the whole. So now work becomes effortless. It's effortless, and it's also very meaningful and fulfilling for us. And when that happens, then we're filled with gratitude. And when we're filled with gratitude, that's like the best feeling. We can't feel sad or depressed or struggle or frustration. Gratitude trumps everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it it doesn't interpret the events in our lives as negative. It says, "I'm grateful for what this ha- what this is, That's just right. as it is." That's yeah. right. So you know, karma is all about actions speak louder than words. We have to have integrity. We do what we say we're going to do. Um, we serve all um, because everyone is divine, and it's it's a selfless activity. So karma yoga. You know, this is the one that I resonate with the most of the four. I'm uh, definitely a karma yogi. I think another example of a karma yogi would be um, Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. because, you know, she's doing good work out in the world. Everything that she does is not about, oh, making money for Oprah. It's about how do I serve? You know, what can I do to help? She's definitely yeah. making choices. Absolutely. And she's teaching us how to make choices. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to be back in just a few more minutes with more from Lisa Coffey about your Dharma. So stay tuned for that. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. 
The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Lisa Coffey about your Dharma. Uh, we're talking specifically about her book just out today, What's Your Dharma? Discover the Vedic Way to Your Life's Purpose. And we've been talking about two different kinds of yogi, yoga excuse me, that, that are uh, pathways to our primary purpose, which uh, Vedanta says is for us to know ourselves, our souls as divine, and that that's an inevitability for all of us. So... We've talked about uh, bhakti yoga and karma yoga, and so now let's talk about jhana yoga. Okay, great. Yeah, jhana yoga is the path of knowledge or wisdom, and so the jhana yogi's purpose is to know. The, the symbolism I've come up with for this is the key, because I think the key represents unlocking the mysteries of life. And the color I've chosen is blue because blue is where the throat chakra is and it's all about clarity. It's all about understanding. And I think that's what the jhana yoga is looking for, clarity and understanding. The jhana yogi, when we're talking about knowledge, we're really talking about knowledge of the self, knowledge of our oneness. So everything that he or she does, the jhana yogi, is to kind of bring evidence of the knowledge of ourselves, the knowledge of our oneness. The jhana yogi uses the powers of the intellect to achieve mastery over the mind, mastery over the senses, mastery over the emotions, mastery over all these distractions we have going on around us all the time. And one way we can do that is by understanding that we live in this conditional reality. Everything around us, everything that we touch, taste, smell, hear, this all exists under certain conditions. But is this real? Is this all there is to life? 
Well, Zana Yogi says, no, this isn't. It says that there is this maya, this veil of illusion that we're looking through that makes it seem very real to us, but there is much more to life. And they use this process called neti-neti. Neti means not this, not this. Discerning what is real from what is unreal, what is permanent versus what is impermanent. And so that's kind of using our powers of discrimination, always asking, always asking. So the example I like to give for this is when we're sitting in a movie theater, we get very involved in the storyline. You know, we're taken away on this journey watching these characters. But it's like, you know, we're, is this person we're seeing on the screen the zookeeper who started a zoo with his family and is living this life? No, we really know this is Matt Damon. This is an actor acting in a in a, a movie, and our emotions are caught up into it, but our mind tells us, our intellect tells us, this isn't really a zookeeper, this is Matt Damon, you know. But then we can even go further. We can even go further and go, you know what, that's not really Matt Damon. That's light on a screen. That's colors and light, and it's making this image on a screen. Matt Damon isn't in front of us putting on a play. This is a movie. So there's all these different la- layers we can we can get at to really see the divine. So when we look at a person, we can't just go, oh, that's a grumpy person. You know, we can go, oh, you know, we look further and say, this is a nice person. This is a friend. This is my brother. This is me. This is this is God in disguise. You know, so we're getting to it the same place, just like all the yogas are going to get us to the same place just a different way of doing it. Right. So when we look at someone else and and through the Zana yoga, what we're looking at is through that knowledge that we are all divine soul. Right. It's letting our intellect understand what is real, what is not real, always questioning, always discriminating. One way we can do this is through um, a process called renunciation. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm not going to give up all my stuff, you know. It's not just giving up your stuff. It's giving up your attachment to your stuff. It's giving up your attachment to what is unreal. You're not, it's understanding that you're not really giving up anything because it's not yours in the first place. It's just something that you can see, touch, taste, or hear, you know. It's just, you know, impermanent. It's going to be gone. Your spirit lives on, but this thing is going to end up in a landfill disintegrating, you know, whatever that thing is. So one way we can practice jhana yogi is with renunciation, giving up our attachments to what is unreal. And we can do this in just little baby steps that make up, uh, make a, make a big difference in the world, you know, like giving up our bad habits on a personal level. What can we give up? Well, you can give up getting those um, plastic bags at the grocery store and bring your own bags, you know, bring your own bags to the grocery store and have them load your groceries in there. That's just a simple thing to do. Mm-hmm. So you can give up things that you don't use at, in your home, you know. Why leave something in the closet that you haven't worn for ages when there's people out there who can really use it, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a great way to start being a Jana Yogi. Yeah. Okay. So, so really, it it, it really is all about the, uh, um, a realization, not just not just intellectual knowledge, although that's a part of it, but also a deeper realization. Right. 
Right. Okay. It's all. It's a okay. discipline. It really is a discipline, and okay. it's a, not just a physical discipline, but a mental discipline that helps us to control the senses, to overcome desires, to overcome our attachments, things like that. And the jhana yogi, they're always looking for the truth. You know, what is the truth? What is real? Well, there's three things that show us what the truth is. There's scripture, which is, of course, you know, holy books like the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, whatever. But it's also wise words from people, you know, like what Gandhi said or what Deepak Chopra said or whatever. We can call that scripture, too. And then there's reasoning. It's us figuring out ourselves. Does this make sense to us? You know, does two plus two make four? Does this add up? And then the third thing is personal experience. Has this happened to us? You know, can we can we recreate the situation? Now, the Jhana Yogi says, when you have all three things together, then you know that's the truth. You know, they're not going to be so easily convinced when they just hear one. They're very intellectual. They're going to analyze. They're going to look for evidence. They're going to figure things out. But if they have all three together, they're like, okay, that's the truth. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that's a process we can walk through to do that discipline. Yeah. And Jhana Yogis are are always studying, they're always learning, they read books, they take classes, they go to teachers, they, you know, there's that whole tradition of the guru in India, um, you know, they, they want to study. An example of a jhana yogi in our contemporary society would be Steve Jobs. He was definitely a jhana yogi. I mean, he wanted to figure things out. How can I make it better? How can I make it easier? How can I um, help people? How can I um, know the best way of doing things, you know. He was always figuring it out. And when you read some of his stuff, like after he passed, a lot of his quotes came through, you know, and they were on the Internet and went viral and his book and everything. The guy was brilliant, you know, and he was very tuned into spirit. He was very tapped in. I think he was definitely a jhana yogi. Okay. That's a real good example. All right, so let's talk a little bit now about Raja Yoga. Okay. Raja Yoga is the path of meditation. And the purpose of the Raja Yogi is to be. So the symbolism for this one is the lotus. And you recognize the lotus as a very spiritual symbol. You see it all the time with the many petals, you know, the many petals that look inward. And then the color is purple because that's the color of our um, crown chakra. And that's what connects um, body to spirit, body, mind, and spirit is through that crown chakra. So the practice of Raja Yoga helps us to see the divine in all. And Raja Yoga used to be referred to as the yoga of psychology. It's really the science of meditation. Ever since we've been born, our mind has been trained to focus externally. You know, we have to learn to talk. We have to learn to walk. We, you know, we have things that we're given, our toys, our, um, our cars, everything our jobs, we're taught to focus externally. So Raja Yoga now is training our mind to focus internally once again. And there's this really cute story that they say in the Vedanta text about these squashes, these little zucchini squashes. You know, I just picture like a little cartoon and they're, they're growing outside this monastery in India and they're all fighting with each other. They're just arguing and fighting and like brothers and sisters do when they're little, you know, and they just can't get along. 
So the monk comes outside and says, you squatches, you just sit still. You just sit still and meditate. Everybody, close your eyes and meditate. And they all sit still and they all close their eyes and meditate. He says, now put your hand on top of your head. And they put their hand on top of their head and they feel that vine. They feel that we're all connected, you know. And they're like, oh, wow, why are we fighting? We're all, the, we're all one. We're all the same thing. There's no reason to fight, you know. And from then on, they got along beautifully. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's how we as people are. We need to just sit and meditate, feel that on top of our head. We're all connected. Why are we fighting with each other? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the the path to meditation then is the, is the inner path, the walk in that yeah. inner terrain. Okay. That's right. Okay. And um, Raja Yoga, um, Patanjali, you know, you've heard the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. He's kind of like the father of yoga, of what we think of as yoga practice, you know, in the yoga studio. He has these eight steps in um, Raja Yoga. And since eight is like a lot for us in the West, I kind of broke yeah. it down into three steps to kind of Good. make it easier for us to remember. So think of it this way, like you're building a house, okay? When you build a house, the first thing you do is the foundation. So the foundation of Raja Yoga is twofold, yama and niyama. Yama is truthfulness, truthfulness and nonviolence, ahimsa, being honest with yourself, you know, being honest with the world, doing what you say you're going to do. That truthfulness is the foundation, and also discipline, being disciplined in your practice and your service and, and you know, walking the path, knowing that this is what you're meant to do. Okay, then after you have the foundation, then you need the structure. So the structure for the house is threefold. There's asana, which is the poses that we do in, in yoga, and this the purpose of this is to teach us balance in mind and body. It's to teach us that our mind and body are intricately connected. We can't have one without the other. We need to take care of both equally. And pranayama, which is the breath, the controlled breathing, this teaches us to control our energy, that we have this energy within us. And then pratyaharya, which is self-restraint, self-control. Don't let that fire burn out of control. A fire can cook a dinner or it can burn a house. So have control. All right. Well, those are beautiful symbols. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Stay tuned for more from Lisa Coffey and your Dharma. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. 
The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And it's sad but true, but we're on our final segment with Lisa Coffey talking today about her book, What's Your Dharma? Discover the Vedic Way to Your Life's Purpose. The book is launching today, and I really would encourage you to go and get it because there's some real good work in there that's real simplified. I was saying over the break that I think that in the West we have a hard time um, really wanting to spend the time and energy it takes to really get into the sacred texts of Vedanta and some of the older uh, religions and paths of soul, but your your work makes it really clear. So I'm really grateful to you for that. And uh, uh, so, thank you. Thank so you. I, I think that's up, I think that's my dharma. You know, the ancient wisdom, modern style. How do I take some of these age old philosophies and bring them to today's world? You know, that's yeah. what, that's what I think I'm all about. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it very Thanks. successfully. And I thank you for that. Um, so you had just a little bit more to tell us about Raja Yoga, so I want to go there first. Okay, so yeah, so then the third thing is once you have, you know, the structure of the house built, now you need to work on the interior. You need to put in the plumbing and the lights, the electricity, what animates the house. And in Raja Yoga, what this is basically is meditation. We have Dharana, which is concentration, Dhyana, which is meditation, and Samadhi, which is divine peace. And this just teaches us to go within, um, and and that's where we're going to light up. So that's our electricity is where we get our electricity is from meditation, from going within. So basically there are four purposes in life, to love, to serve, to know, and to be. And, of course, we all have these same purposes, but one of them is going to call to us more strongly because of our personality. And when we follow that path, we're going to learn all the same lessons that everyone on the other path learns, just in a different way. So in a way, our dharma is like our spiritual learning style. So if you want to find out what your dharma is, you can read the book, or I've also got a quiz online, which is just a fun quiz. You know, you can't take it seriously. It's just like something you'd find in one of those magazines. It's just like, oh, this looks cute, you know. Um, but it's at whatsyourdharma.com, and dharma is spelled D-H-A-R-M-A. Okay, so whatsyourdharma.com, you can go there and take the quiz. Yep, and, and uh, 
this it's week, especially s- today, I've got tons of free gifts for people. I've got a free um, ebook that they can get about feng shui. I've got a 20-minute video that features Neil Donald Walsh, um, Houston Smith, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Chip Coffey, Kathy Ireland, all these great people are in it talking about their dharma and how they found their dharma, and it's really, really good. And the only way you can get it is by getting the book. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's great. That's great because, really, this book is worth getting. Thank uh, you. Because it really does offer uh, us an understanding of who we are really under who we think we are. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's huge. I mean, you can't get it bigger than that. So, okay. So now we've we've talked about the various paths, and we know that Vedanta says that our primary purpose is to realize that our souls are divine, and it says that this realization is inevitable for us all. And what you said is that each one of these paths uh, to love, to serve, to know, and to be have to do with our individual way of getting to that understanding that our souls are divine, or that life that our souls are divine, and and so, okay, how do we know when we're living our purpose? Well, you know because it feels good. It feels right. It feels natural. It feels effortless. Um, and, and you just, you feel like your true self, you know? It's, like I say, it's not what you do, but how you do it. It doesn't matter what your job is. If you're a bhakti, you know, say you're a bank teller. If you're a bhakti and you're serving with love, you know, and you're looking at each of your customers as they come to your window with love in your eyes, then you're recognizing the divine in all of them, then you're, the time's going to fly by. You're going to get a lot out of your work, and you're going to also be serving people because they're going to feel that recognition. If you're a... um karma yogi and you're a bank teller how are you serving these people what can you do to help them you're putting the best of yourself into your work and making sure that they go away with what they need and maybe it's more than just whatever the bank has to offer but maybe it's your smile you know or your kind word or whatever it is that helps get them through their day and if you're a jhana yogi and you're the bank teller then you're you're knowing you know with um conviction the divine within us all, and understanding uh, who comes to the window and and what do they need, and scientifically kind of figuring out how can I help, how do I fit in? There's a reason they came here today at this time at this place. It's not a coincidence that they came to me and not the other teller. You know, very intellectualizing it. Mm-hmm. And then the Raja Yogi is looking with looking within. So they're the bank teller, but they're also saying. Now, because I'm at peace and I'm breathing and I'm having a good day, I'm going to share this energy with other people, that they're going to pick up on this energy from me. And no matter how bad anything gets on the external, I'm not going to let it affect me on the internal. You know, the stock market can rise and fall. I'm still here just being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think, you know, that's a real good analogy of the bank teller. We think of our jobs in terms of, you know, so many in the West, they, oh, well, you know, it's work. You don't expect it to be fun. It's it's a job. You do it. Um, but, I, 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 you know, when you talk about the bank teller, you say, okay, well, does the bank teller enjoy the tasks of that job? But what you're saying is, we, uh, regardless of what's going on with the specific job, if you're in your, your particular pathway, 
you can serve or know or be or love from that perspective. Exactly. Exactly. So it all it all comes together because our purpose is more than our job. It's more than our vocation. It's it's a uh, it's why we're here you know we're not just here to make money we're not just here to you know whatever it is we're here to help each other learn and grow we're here to express our unique talents we're here to do all this stuff and this is how we do it by loving serving knowing being that's how we do it right right i liked what you said about how we know our purpose when we feel it when we yeah. feel it you know because that's one of the that's an inner reference and that's not you know, people in the West, we tend to say, well, um, I know my purpose because I'm getting good results mm-hmm. or I know my purpose because I'm successful or right. I know my purpose because other people like me at it and tell me I'm good at it. You right. know, we don't think in terms of that inner, but you, you, you've you given us a real um, kind of flashlight to look inside to just go, okay, how does this feel when I'm doing this? What does it feel like? Right, because everybody, you know, if you do it the other way about, you know, success means the bigger paycheck or whatever, there's always measurements and how much is enough and what is your definition versus my definition versus so-and-so's definition, you know. Donald Trump's going to judge it differently than, you know, the, the barista at Starbucks. So it's... But the one way you can really tell is your gut, just your gut. How do you feel about what you're doing? Is this right for you? You know, are you making good decisions? Do you feel loving? Do you feel like you're contributing? And that's that's the internal reference that you always have to go back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that idea is based on on, you know, Knowing that we can divine our own path, our own guidance system is within us. And we yes. don't tend to think about it that way. We tend to think about somebody else is going to tell me how to do this and how to, what to do. And then I'm going to know how to do it and, and what to do. And everything's going to be fine. Right. Because <laughs> even, you know, if you put, if you put 10 different bhakti yogis together in a room, they're not all going to go the same way on the path of bhakti yogi. Everybody's got their own footsteps, their own pace, their own, you know, curves in their gates and everything. No two paths are alike. Everybody's got their own way to go. And and it's okay if at certain times in your life you skip over to another path or you skip back to your path. But basically throughout your life, I think there's going to be a through line that one of these paths is meant for you. And rather than putting, you know, your feet in two different boats, if you just you know, there's enough in life for us to learn. There's so much for us to learn. Don't make it any harder on yourself. Just kind of like pick the path that you like and you can study it and study it and study it and study it because there's so much to learn. It's so layered. It's right when you think you got it, you read it again and you go, oh, now I get it. Oh, I missed that the first time. Oh, wow. Aha. You know, it's just so rich. It's so rich in content. Yep, and it's and it's a path you're going to want to take. You're going to want to study it because exactly. it's your path. It's it's for you. I remember several years ago, uh, I had not known much about astrology at all, and I started studying it, and I could not put it down. I loved it, and right. I would just be caught doing it for hours and hours on end trying to figure it all out. That's great. That's that's kind of like saying, okay, here's something that's genuine for you because you're so passionate about it. Right. And that's just one of many examples, but yeah. Good. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being here today. We really appreciate it. And uh, I really want the audience to go out there and get your book because it is really a very good book and has so much to offer. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And next week we're going to be talking to Hollister Rand about the idea that life is never really over. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.